Welcome to this episode of the This is Believin' Real Browns Fans podcast. I am your host, James Mastrucci. Uh, I am again solo this time. Uh, my co-host Jordan Cohen could not be here for this episode, but I do expect him back for our preview episode later in the week. Uh, before we get into it, just a little quick reminder. Uh, remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, this is believeone.com, and realbrownsfans.com. Okay, so before I get into anything specific, just some general takeaways from this game. Um, this was a lot more competitive than I thought the game was going to be. It's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, lots more scoring. Uh, defenses for both teams were basically non-existent. Looking at how things unfolded, the Browns, of course, did have multiple chances to win this game, put the game away, uh, make sure that, you know, the Chargers couldn't come back and do what they ended up doing, which was winning, but with that, things happen. So, before we uh, dive into the specifics... I think this was a very entertaining game. It was one of the games that uh, was one of the more talked about games, depending on podcasts or radio shows or television, from this past weekend. I, part of that aspect is, you know, the commonly used joke that this is what would happen if NFL Twitter ran a football game, which well, it was. Lots of fourth down attempts, lots of aggressiveness for the most part, and it was pretty entertaining from that aspect. All right, with that all out of the way, let's get into it. Before the game, the Browns were a little bit up against it in terms of injuries, okay? Uh, they were already without Greg Newsom. They were without Jadavian Clowney. Chris Hubbard is out for the season. Jedrick Wills didn't play, okay? So lots of issues right from the start, okay? And while I'm not the biggest Clowney fan, he has a sort of chaos factor he sort of brings up front while sometimes it results in the productive play a lot of times it results in a mixed bag okay but I, I do believe having what is essentially just the Tasmanian devil he is at times could have helped even though he might not have registered a stat uh, you know there's just a there's a certain drop off when you got to go from Jadavian Clowney to Tack McKinley another guy again I'm not necessarily all that high on so, you know, before that, before the game started, they had injuries. During the game, they had more injuries. Uh, Jack Conklin was hurt, did not help. So they're down to reserve tackles at that point. They had both Blake Hans, shout out guy named Blake, and uh, James Hudson uh, playing the tackle positions, which, uh, not great. Then, you know, during the game, Miles Garrett left for a minute. Uh, Denzel Ward left during the game. It, it just, you see all these guys exit the game. At some point, it's just like, you don't know who's going to come back. Uh, Troy Hill also uh, left during the game, as well as Malik Madala, A.J. Green. So, it, health was not Cleveland's friend in this particular performance. So, let's get to the offense, okay? Because I think that's something a lot of people want to talk about. The offense, in my opinion, was efficient but relatively unspectacular. There were there were a couple good plays. Okay, David Njoku had the best play of his entire career. The 71-yard touchdown reception. 
Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones was also a productive player. Five catches for 70 yards. Okay. But outside of that, the offense was kind of just, all right, how about something exciting, please? Uh, you know, you look at Nick Chubb. He had 161 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt had 61 yards and two touchdowns. Pretty impressive rushing performances from those two. You can't really ask for any much more from either player, considering that they ran the ball 33 times with those two. And Kareem Hunt was also a factor in the passing game, five catches for 28 yards. And that's where I want to get to this next aspect of the passing game. Baker Mayfield, uh, he had a decent game, okay? Let's put it that way. Baker finished the game 23 of 32 for 305 yards and two touchdowns. Um, One, the aforementioned David Njoku catch. The other, a wide-open throw to Rashard Higgins because nobody paid attention to Rashard Higgins because he is Rashard Higgins. The only reason he was really open on that play was because the defense was focused on Odell Beckham Jr. And that's where I want to go next with this is Odell. He had, obviously... He had the uh, very crucial drop on the fourth and two. He finished the game with two catches for 20 yards. Longest being a 13-yard catch. But I know the the narrative uh, about Baker and Odell, and Odell doesn't have chemistry with Baker. That's backwards. Baker doesn't have chemistry with Odell, okay? People want to f- put the blame on Odell. It's it, This is a Baker issue, okay? Because if you watch that game, you look at the plays that have been clipped and highlighted and put on Twitter, you'll notice when Baker's completing passes to the other receivers, or at least attempting them, he doesn't even look in Beckham's way. Okay, It's like Beckham was just out of sight, out of mind to him. He was essentially a decoy because Baker just simply isn't considering him as an option. That's a problem that needs to be addressed sooner rather than later because Odell Beckham Jr. is a very talented player. And he's just not being utilized correctly. And when I say utilized correctly, I mean getting the ball thrown to him. Because you, you look at his targets before coming to Cleveland and what they've been since coming to Cleveland, it is a huge, huge drop-off. You look at, in New York, he was targeted 10.5 times per game. And in Cleveland... We're in three seasons now. Three seasons in Cleveland, seven and a half in Cleveland. That number has since dropped to six point two over the last two seasons, which is ten games worth of worth of play. Now, the the notable part about that aspect is it's uh, it's a different offense here with Kevin Stefanski compared to the first season with Freddie Kitchens, where it was more passing and letting Baker do stuff with his arm. Uh, we have since learned that that is a mistake, and he should be limited in some way. Okay, but instead of Baker throwing the ball to the most talented receiver, I'm not going to say best because it's a different story, but most talented receiver on the team, he's throwing it to Higgins and Njoku and dumping it off to Kareem Hunt. Uh, I wrote a, a very in-depth article about the box score uh, for Baker Mayfield, which I suggest you check out on thisisbelieveone.com. Uh, yes, he completed 23 passes. Yes, it was for over 300 yards. But 21 of 23 of those completions were classified as short throws. His average depth of target on Sunday was only 5.2 yards. He wasn't looking to push the ball down the field. He was not looking to make an aggressive throw. 
he was fine with taking the short throws and checkdowns and accumulating yards after the catch. While that's fine, that just has, I guess, a, a larger issue to identify with the quarterback position. When Baker came in as a rookie, and even in 2019, as bad as that season was, he wasn't afraid to take chances. He wasn't afraid to, you know, kind of rip a throw real quick, you know, as soon as he gets the ball, throw it, okay? That's not happening now. He's he's sitting back there. He's struggling to read the defense. He's holding the ball for a very long time back there. And he's not challenging defenses. He's not taking chances. I mean, yeah, he's not turning the ball over, but he's not creating plays with his arm to score touchdowns either, okay? He's become a game manager. And while you have a certain level of success with a game manager type quarterback, when you need someone to step up and have one of those big breakout games, have one of those, I guess, big time throws, you're not going to get it out of a guy who's playing in this manner. Towards the end of the game, when the Chargers needed to get down the field, Justin Herbert's just like, yeah, let me just dial up a big-time throw right here. Throw it down the field and gain a chunk of yards. Chunk plays. We're not getting chunk plays through the air with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. It's just simply not happening. So, Justin Herbert just, oh, here's a big chunk play. Let me just make this happen. When it comes down to a a game-winning drive, and I'll get more into this in a second, having at least one of those big yardage plays is almost a requirement. You know, going down... A dink and dunk, captain checkdown style. It's not a sustainable offensive strategy. But again, I'll get to the get to the uh, final drives uh, in a few minutes. Uh, looking at the defense, um, it was bad. There were miscommunications everywhere. Okay, some of that had to do with guys being injured. Uh, bringing Anthony Walker back into the mix. He's only played one game. But, yikes. Okay. Um, This was a big-time correction from the previous couple weeks where we saw the Browns' defense look like a really good unit. And I'm sitting here thinking, guys, a correction's coming, a correction's coming. And it came (laughs) big time. Okay. The, The Chargers' offense is a very good unit. Justin Herbert... He's not elite yet, but he's getting into that, the next guy to get into that conversation, okay? Sort of like what a Josh Allen was a year ago. He's getting towards that, we're going to start talking about this guy as an elite quarterback really, really soon. And he showed it. He showed it uh, throughout the game. He showed it especially in crunch time. But man, that Chargers offense is really good. Uh, Lots of coverage busts, lots of coverage breakdowns for the Browns defense. Did not help matters, made things much easier for Los Angeles in this game, but it was definitely, definitely a a letdown performance defensive wise. And it's something that really you can't have happen again, because if you do, you'll be staring 500 in the face and you'll be staring other losses that you probably shouldn't have further down the line in the season. I've purposely avoided this particular topic until now because it sounds like an excuse to me. And that's the refs, penalties, officiating, what have you. Yes, the refs made some bad calls during this game. They missed some other ones. Lots of people doing, though, the refs hate the Browns. The, the, they got screwed. Listen, 
okay, I'm not going to disagree that there were some egregious penalty calls that went against the Browns and that were not called for the Browns. But the fact of the matter is they had opportunities to stop the Chargers after those penalties, and they didn't, okay? The Chargers converted three fourth-down opportunities. Brandon Saley was very aggressive even in his own territory, and the Browns couldn't come up with a stop. If you want to be mad about something, sure, be annoyed about the refs, okay? I'll give you that. Be annoyed. But when it comes to saying we lost because of the refs, you can just throw that right in the garbage. It's simply not true. They lost because their defense couldn't get a stop. They lost because their offense failed when it mattered most uh, later in the game. Okay. So the Browns had opportunities to get stops. They simply didn't. And that's where you should focus your anger towards. Because as much as people wanted the crown Joe Woods a week ago and two weeks ago, uh, maybe that was a little bit premature, okay? Uh, this defense was battered. It was injured. They were missing guys. But I also think they're a middle-of-the-road group when everything's going right, okay? The, what we saw the past couple weeks was the exception, not the rule. This is also an exception, but to the other extreme of playing incredibly poorly and getting destroyed. I think they're somewhere in the middle. Somewhere very much in the middle between what they did against the Bears, the Vikings, and what happened this past Sunday. Now, I've I've mentioned this a couple times already. The final drives. Okay. The Browns are up by a point, and we had a run, an incomplete pass, and another run, and people were very upset about that. People are deciding to say that this is when Kevin Stefanski lost the game. First things first, just wow, wow, wow. Okay. The Browns' rushing attack was very effective in this game. Uh, the passing attack was efficient, but boring. Nothing special. Okay, so if you want to be mad about anything here, be mad that Nick Chubb wasn't in the game, but Kareem Hunt was. Okay. Uh, Nick Chubb was on fire. Kareem Hunt was too. But I would have preferred Nick Chubb in this particular situation over Kareem Hunt. Now, second down, there was a very egregious misread by Baker Mayfield where if you would have looked to his left, he would have found a wide open Odell Beckham Jr. on a whip route. And by the time the defender enters the field division enters the, you know, the broadcast, uh, you know, shot video. If he would have thrown to Beckham when he should have, Beckham would have gotten, if not close to a first down, a first down. Okay. Um, we've seen Beckham succeed on these comeback over the middle routes, get the ball, turn the ball upfield. Okay. So again, this is another instance of Baker just not looking in Beckham's direction. Despite the fact that he gets open. A lot, okay? Um, Odell Beckham Jr. gets open around 72% of the time on routes 5-plus yards on the field this year. That is the same rate, or around the same rate, as Devontae Adams in Green Bay. One of those guys is having an outstanding season. The other is not. It's pretty easy to figure out which one is which. But on the second drive, you know, the one with a minute and a half left, this was very frustrating to watch. Um, watching an offense run one of the worst two-minute drills I've ever seen was very infuriating. Uh, I even tweeted during the game, this is the example of what not to do during a two-minute drill. Uh, it took them 50 seconds to move the ball 12 yards. 
Baker was only throwing passes exclusively over the middle. And it's not effective. That's not a way to, to, to move the ball down the field, especially in a two-minute situation. And I know that Kevin Stefanski has since fallen on his sword for the play calling here and saying that they're trying to set up a Hail Mary. I don't buy that. I, In my opinion, this is a coach taking accountability for the failure of a team and not trying to throw his own players under the bus. Okay, We've seen plenty of coaches here do that, throw his players under the bus when something doesn't go right. Okay, Stefanski is not that type of guy. He hasn't been that guy. He's shown multiple times he's not that guy. He's someone who takes responsibility. He's the guy who leads the team. He's the guy who's going to accept the blame for the loss, even if it isn't necessarily his fault. Okay, so honestly, in my opinion, it's him falling on his sword for something he's not responsible for. Now, those throws from Baker, he's got to throw the ball down the field. He has to. You you have to at least attempt a, a throw that goes beyond the first down marker, or at least a, a throw that's close to the out-of-bounds line, especially with no timeouts. You can't do that. This is not a, an acceptable two-minute drill. You, If you're throwing across the middle, you're doing what the defense wants you to do, and that's burn clock. Again, 50 seconds to go 12 yards. I haven't seen a two-minute drill that bad in Cleveland in a long time. Okay? Got to throw the ball down the field. I, I Setting up for a Hail Mary... Even if that was the plan, I don't think it was the plan. I just think that's how things unfolded. It's a ridiculous strategy. Now, let me just kind of wrap things up for you here. I'm getting towards the end here. Uh, Kevin Stefanski uh, said that's what the plan was and trying to protect Baker with the two reserve tackles. Listen, uh, Baker was going to throw the five-yard passes whether or not that was the plan or not because that's what he did all game. He's not looking downfield. He's not attacking the defense. He's taking what the defense gives him, which is fine if you're a backup quarterback, okay? You got a backup quarterback performance out of Baker Mayfield on Sunday in terms of what throwing decisions he made, okay? That's typically what you see out of, you know, the veteran backup guy that comes in and throws checkdowns, check down, short pass. That's what we saw over and over again. And I'll wrap it up and leave you with this. This was the second time this season... Browns had the opportunity to come away with a win in a last drive situation, and they failed to do so, okay? The Browns played great for 58 minutes. They didn't finish the game. That's a problem. That That's especially a problem considering you have a quarterback who you're hoping is the guy you're hoping he's the guy that you extend and you keep here for a long time and he's your franchise quarterback. Okay, that's what everyone hopes he is. But the more and more we see, the more it appears he's just the quarterback of a franchise, not a franchise quarterback. A quarterback you win with, but not because of. A guy who is part of the offense, not what drives the offense. And there's a big difference dollar-wise between all of those quarterbacks. At some point, Baker Mayfield's going to have to lead a comeback drive against one of these teams that are considered a superior opponent. 
if these games that are currently close losses start turning into wins, then we can begin a different conversation about what type of quarterback he is, how much the team should pay him, and how long they keep him in town. But until that starts happening, it's kind of hard to say that Baker Mayfield's the guy that they should keep in town long term because franchise quarterbacks lead game-winning drives. Franchise quarterbacks defeat superior opponents, and that just simply has not happened often enough for this team under Baker Mayfield. Okay, and with that, uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Again, we should have uh, a preview later in the week. I should have my co-host Jordan back with me. And with that, just a quick reminder uh, to like, comment, share, subscribe, tell your friends and family. If you don't, it's stealing. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, thisisbelieveland.com, and realbrownsfans.com.